Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue number nine. Welcome, time travelers. It's me, Matt Anderson, and I'm here to bring you another installment on my ongoing traveling through the multiverse. That's right. It's Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is the uh, <laughs> this is the event I've been covering since 2014 here on this podcast. It's only 12 issues, but I've been releasing. Well, let me just take a quick look. Yeah, I mean, one or two a year. That's not a perfect average, but I'm just looking back at the most recent ones. Issue number eight, I covered, and it was released on November 19th, 2017. Issue number seven, released on September 26th, 2016. So one year before that, uh, what we got here? Uh, oh, then there's, I'll stop boring you with all this. Well, I guess, should we do six? And then six was from September 2015. So yes, this I'm actually doing it early. Because I wasn't due back until the fall on this once a year average. This is crazy. I think I might have said on a previous uh, episode, I think it was episode 110 where I covered issue number eight, that I guarantee I'll finish this by the end of 2017. Well, I did not stick with that. I'm sorry. I, I like reading this, uh, but this is uh, a little bit preparation intensive because I read the issue. I take really thorough notes to share here on, on these episodes. Then I have to find time to record them. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you know this, listeners, but if you listen to my other show, The Sci-Fi Christian, which you can find at the com, I've mentioned that I don't have a studio set up at home. I have a bunch of equipment in a closet. And when it's time to podcast, I go and set it all up. And I just set it up in my dining room, actually. I live in a small apartment with my family. And I can only record, really, when my family is gone. So there's a lot of factors that go into when is it okay or when is it? When am I able to record? So because of that, I have uh, pretty much uh, not very much time to to podcast every week, and and most of that time does go to the Sci Fi Christian. So on some rare occasions, like today, my family's gone. I'm still at home. I'm able to get the equipment out of the closet and set up this uh, podcasting studio which is not really a studio it's just my my table i'm just sitting here at my table that i also eat supper at so well with that that very informative intro i think it's time to dive into this but i guess it's more of an apology it's an intro and an apology I, i'm sorry i know it's crazy that i release these episodes once a year or once every six months i'm trying to get better we'll see maybe this will be at 2018 the year that i finish crisis on infinite earths i've actually been thinking maybe the way to do this would be to instead of having one episode for issues 10 11 and 12 each what if the next episode which uh who knows when i'll actually do that what if the next episode just covers the final three issues i'm not sure if that's really a good plan or not but something i'm it's an idea i'm thinking about because it'd be nice just to be done and maybe i'll be more encouraged to get through it quicker if i know that last episode is going to have the whole finale. Uh, let me know your thoughts. You can write us uh, and let me know what you're thinking about that. If you want kind of a supersized final episode, 
so that I can finally be done covering Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, so with that, let's dive into the uh, summary of what happened in issue number nine. This issue opens up on Oa, where the Guardians of the Universe are talking to Guy Gardner, and they're offering him a Green Lantern ring. So again, because I wasn't reading during this exact time period, I don't know what's happening in the continuity at this point, but I had thought that Guy Gardner was always a Green Lantern of some sort, except for I think he did have a persona called Warrior for a while. But uh, in this story, he accepts the ring and the story moves on. So I'm wondering, was he a Lantern and then stopped being one and now he is again? That's probably the most likely scenario because I'm almost positive when he debuted, he was a Lantern. So right after that, O is attacked and all but one of the five remaining Guardians are killed. Uh, This remaining Guardian then sends Guy Gardner on a mission and... This is where the text then just tells us uh, in a little box that the story is going to be continued in Green Lantern number 195. So I don't know what happens there. Uh, As we turn the page then here, we see a scene that's uh, similar to that that you see on this cover of this issue. Tons and tons of villains. They're all together in, in the same room. They're listening to Lex Luthor and Brainiac as they're telling them that the time to strike is now. So uh, the crisis has been stopped somehow and i don't i mean we've seen how it looked like the superheroes were winning for now but obviously this is a temporary uh kind of a sabbatical from the crisis for now but the five remaining earths are still overlapping so the crisis is over but it was sort of stopped mid uh incursion so you can see that these five earths are all overlapping and Um, the villains are thinking that now is their time to take over the worlds because they're all connected. So I was actually surprised by this because I thought that the villains might join the heroes in fighting against the Anti-Monitor, but instead we have Brainiac and and Luthor really leading the charge against the heroes wanting to take over the world. So Brainiac mentions that he has the technology to be able to detect the Anti-Monitor and that the Anti-Monitor actually might be dead because he can't detect him anymore. Uh, This is obviously, I'm guessing, not true because even though I haven't read this series in full, I'm almost positive he makes a return, the Anti-Monitor, that is. Uh, There are a few quick scenes starring people like, well, I'm just going to read off a list of people uh, in these different scenes because I don't, the scenes feel like they're setting up things in other books or maybe something that's coming up later. It's not enough really to go into each little subplot. So we've got the Teen Titans, uh, Sergeant Rock, Clark Kent, and then we see Alexander Luthor. Uh, This is the guy from Earth 3, as a reminder. This is the first time we've seen him in quite a while. And it seems like life is returning to normal for a lot of these different characters as we've kind of checked in on their lives. Um, Alexander Luthor says he has an announcement to make. Uh, And I think we're going to get that here in a... Well, we'll get that soon. I'll tell you about that in a second. But meanwhile, as he's doing that, on all the other Earths besides Earth 1, the villains are taking over. So Alexander Luthor is about to make this announcement on Earth 1, but... The other four Earths are all in trouble. So back to Earth 1, Alexander Luthor, Harbinger, and Pariah are making a presentation before the United Nations. So uh, now the UN is actually made up of not just the representatives of Earth, but of all of the remaining Earths. So each of the five Earths are represented there. Uh, They explain that the antimatter seems to be gone and that the event... uh, let me see here. Let me just look through this real quick. Um, yeah, th- this is interesting. Remember when we had talked earlier in a previous issue about how Alexander Luthor 
had some antimatter in him, and that's something that made him unique for this battle. So even so, the anti antimatter waves are gone, and even the part of Alexander Luthor that was antimatter is now gone from him. So he's normal. He's a positive matter human being. Uh, Harbinger says that she has shared much of the information that Monitor gathered from the world or, or from the different worlds with the the UN. Uh, in order to be more helpful to them. And then Priya tells the UN that the linking of the worlds is not dangerous. So, I mean, this is kind of weird because, like I said, these five Earths are, you know, the incursion type thing has started, so they're all interconnected. But he said that that's totally fine. Everything's going to be okay. Um, just then, news reporters uh, are, you know, as they're covering this story, uh, they're actually referring to the disaster that, they're experiencing within the story as the crisis on infinite earths. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time in story that that title has been mentioned. Uh, just as Pariah is talking, he vanishes. And in his place, we see a holographic image of Brainiac. Now, I don't know where Pariah went quite yet, but uh, Brainiac says that he and his team of supervillains have taken over Earth X, Earth S, Earth 4, and have demands for Earth-1 and Earth-2. Next up, then, we get a holographic image of Lex Luthor, who is telling everyone that since all of the Earths are connected, and since they control three and five, or sorry, three of the five Earths, that they can destroy the three they control, causing a cascading destruction on Earth-1 and 2. So basically, they're holding all the worlds for ransom. They're, they're telling them they have 15 minutes to decide if they will meet the villain's demands, and with this, Superman flies off thinking to himself that Supergirl died protecting the Earth and he wasn't going to let that death be in vain. Uh, then there's a quick appearance by a superhero named the Creeper, who is weird. It's, he is as weird as he sounds. He rushes in or rushes away to help. And I only know about this guy because he appeared on the Batman, the Brave and the Bold cartoon. I've seen him in there at least once, maybe more of that. Uh, he actually looks kind of like a bad guy, but he is a good guy. So... The heroes are, uh, meanwhile, the heroes are trying to smash through a barrier between the earth, earth. So even though they're overlapping, there is still this kind of wall between the earth. So you can't just walk from, let's say, Earth X to Earth 4. Uh, there is still a barrier there. Uh, so the heroes are trying to smash through in order to get to the villains. It's as if the whole earth is being held hostage. Uh, so that's all happening. Earth 2, Superman and Power Girl are, are there and then we see Wally West at home. So, you know, Flash died in the last issue. Wally West, uh, I don't know if he knows at this point that Flash is dead. Um, but the text mentions that all of the heroes had returned to their homes when they thought the crisis was, was over. But then Harbinger brings Jay Garrick, which is the Earth 2 Flash, to Wally West's home to join the fight. Uh, so at some point, Wally West had retired as Kid Flash. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know why that is. But with Barry Allen missing, now I, I should make a point of this. They don't actually know he's dead yet. They know that he's missing, but they don't know that he's actually gone forever. Uh, so with him missing, Harbinger says that they need the knowledge that Kid Flash has. Then we find out what they need him for. Uh, we see that Jay Garrick and uh, Kid Flash are working on a cosmic treadmill. Uh, Wally West knows how to build this. So um, yeah, he's helped Barry Allen with one in the past. So basically with that past knowledge... He's going to help build the cosmic treadmill, and then they're going to activate it 
and then use it to travel to the other Earths. Even though they're overlapping, like I said, this barrier is stopping them. And so they're going to try to get to the other Earths this way. So from here, we go to a scene where there's just tons of heroes and they're all ready to join into the fight. So I'm just going to list out these heroes uh, just in case they end up coming back up in some scenes later so that we kind of cataloged, okay, here they are. So we've got the new Wildcat, Huntress, Hawk and Dove, Batman and Robin, and I'm pretty sure this is a young Jason Todd during these scenes for the Robin character because you know Nightwing exists uh, elsewhere. Uh, we've got the Metalman, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, Aquaman, Mira, and then Lady Quark is also there. Uh, I think I forgot to mention this earlier, but Lady Quark did have a quick scene while she was watching Pariah on TV, and it's not good for Pariah. She blames him for the death of her world because he was the one that, you know, in the beginning inadvertently freed the anti-monitor. So she says that while she can forgive, she can never forget. Okay, back to the Flashes. We've got Kid Flash and Jay Garrick. They open up a rift between the worlds and the war is now on. We've got heroes versus villains across the remaining Earths. And the commentary is being done by Brainiac and Lex Luthor. So they're watching from the spaceship orbiting one of the Earths. And and they explain to the readers what's happening and which heroes are fighting which villains. So um, we've got, let's see, Aqua Girl and then someone named Wait, no, Aqua Girl in this is someone named Tula. Not very familiar with this character, but uh, she's the first hero to die on the page here. Uh, then over on a different world, the Justice Society and Infinity Inc. and the Outsiders all teaming up together attack uh, such villains as Mr. Mind is there, Poison Ivy, and Joker. Uh, nearby, we've got Phantom Lady and Uncle, Uncle Sam. They're being held hostage by some sort of plant controlling villain and i mean you could probably tell at this point i don't i'm not too familiar with these characters i've heard of uncle sam i don't know that i've read too much with him phantom lady i don't think i know very much about her i maybe she's uh i wonder if she's part of that team that worked with uncle sam that i can't remember what they're called so that's my guess uh while all the fighting is happening though luther and brainiac are talking about how they don't really care who lives and dies on either side of this war as long as whoever is left recognizes their leadership. All of a sudden then, Luther realizes that he has been doing all of the talking for a while and that Brainiac was just standing there quietly. Brainiac then suddenly explodes and Simon, who has been around since issue one, is there and uh, it turns out he stayed behind because he didn't really trust Luther or Brainiac. And now he's saying he wants to kill Luther. Uh I don't think I mentioned this, but Simon and Dr. Polaris uh, were both in Brainiac's army of villains. And, you know, of course, that's noteworthy because they were both members of the original team. You know, they were drafted by Monitor uh, to fight back against the Anti-Monitor right from the beginning. So that's noteworthy there. Uh, Simon had a line earlier in this issue uh, where he was saying that although it looked like he was killed earlier in the event, he had the ability to use his psionic power to put himself back together. Uh, to be honest, I don't really remember him dying, but possibly I mentioned it on a previous episode. I do these episodes so few and far between that uh, I have no idea if I ever covered that. But it, it looks like now Simon is about to take a bigger role in the story because this issue ends with him threatening Luthor. So uh, the next issue, the the uh, tease for that next issue says, At last! The final fate of the multiverse, 
which is a little bit of a surprise because next issue is 10. And even though, yes, we are close finally, you know, I've only got three issues left, 10, 11, and 12. I don't feel like we're going to get the final fate next issue because then what's going to happen in issue 11 and 12. So there it is. The That's the summary of issue nine. And man, I can't believe we are getting close to the end of my coverage on this event. Finally, after years of covering crisis on infinite earths, it's about to come to an end, hopefully sooner than later. Well, I guess I'll just wrap things up here then. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. Feel free to write in with any of your feedback uh, about Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, but for now, that's all from here. This is Matt Anderson, signing off.